You know, today we're concluding our sermon series that we entitled Unmentionables. And today I want to talk about fear. Does anybody know anything about fear? You do? Well, of course, we all know about fear. So today my sermon is entitled Faithing Our Fears. Now, the way I got to this title was that I thought, well, you know, facing our fears, that's often used. So if I held my tongue and said facing our fears, it'd come out faithing our fears. That really didn't happen. But I did want to preach a sermon today that in essence says, how does our faith help us face our fears? How can we faith our fears? How can we bring what God has brought to us through the power of our faith to allow us to face our fears and allow God to transform our fears into something really good. So how does our faith make a difference in how we deal with fear? That's what we're going to be talking about. Now I do need to say up front that fear can poison our lives with anxiety. It can. We need to acknowledge how devastating fear can be If fear is left, um, not dealt with, to, in essence, control our lives. But Jesus had a different way and a different approach. Today we're going to be looking at Matthew, the 10th chapter, beginning with the 27th verse. So I'd like to ask you to stand for the reading of God's Word. So have no fear of them, for... Nothing is covered up that will not be uncovered, and nothing secret that will not become known. What I say to you in the dark, tell in the light. And what you hear whispered, proclaim from the housetops. Do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy the body and soul in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny, yet not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. And even the hairs of your head are all counted. So do not be afraid. You are of more value than all the sparrows in the world. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. You know, once upon a time in Sunday school, uh, and Sunday school used to be an institution in and of itself to the church, and so there were rituals that Sunday schools followed. There was a prayer that once upon a time we Methodists would pray to begin Sunday school, and the prayer went like this. Almighty God, unto whom all hearts are open, all desires known, And from whom no secrets are hid. Cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit that we may perfectly love thee and worthily magnify thy name through Jesus Christ our Lord. So sharing our fears is is a very important step in the faithing of our fears. The Apostle John said, The light is shining in the darkness, and the darkness shall not overcome it. 
So what Jesus was teaching the disciples in that day and what Jesus wants us to know in this day is that we can't hide our fears in the dark. They need to be brought to the light. And Jesus said, I am the light of the world. So one method of conquering fear is to share our fears. To share them first with God and then to share them with others whom we trust. To bring them out of the darkness into the light. And that's such a healthy and important step in facing our fears. The faith of bringing fears into the light. I read a story. I'm into these little children's stories because of my grandbaby. Um, but the mom was putting this little son to bed. And, and, and it was a thunderstorming night. And as she was about to turn off the light, the little boy said, Mommy, will you sleep with me tonight, please? Please, please. She cut off the light and she slipped over to his bed and said, No, we're going to say our prayers. And, 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 and I can't sleep with you tonight. You're going to be just fine. I've got to sleep with Daddy tonight. But you're going to be just fine. We're just going to be around the corner. And there was a long silence. And the little boy said, Mommy, is Daddy a big sissy? I love that. <laughs> you, know, you know, we all have fears, don't we? Kids are afraid of the dark. We, we, we're afraid of this. We're afraid of that. We're afraid of the other. And it, and it starts re really early. But the real tragedy of life, life is when we don't allow those fears to be brought to the light. When we don't share those fears. And sometimes those fears are just simple fright. But sometimes those fears can be marked by something that happened in the past that has us frozen in the darkness. Now when Donna Whitehead and I went to seminary, there was a, a, an author named Frederick Beekner who wrote books. He was an Episcopalian priest as I recall. But he wrote these books that were rich in metaphor. And I knew that he'd written a book called um, uh, Telling Secrets. And so I looked that book up this week. Surely, surely I found it. And Frederick Beekner said this, Our secrets may not be hid from God, but we do a good job of hiding them from other people and from ourselves. And, and then Beekner said in, in this book, Telling Secrets, something that I had forgotten, and he, and he said it in somewhat of an autobiographical way. He said, Most of my life, I was not likely to admit the fact that my father drank himself into a self I could not hardly recognize as my father every time he went to a party. And my mother, when he came home, would always go into a rage and say such wild and scathing things to him that it made the very earth shake beneath my feet when I heard them. The pain of unspoken secrets, even to myself, haunted me through my days. And those who wish to come out of the dark may have to take their hands off their own eyes in order to see. Some of our fears are secrets from the past. We need to bring them to the light. Some of our fears are 
inferiority, some of our fears or suspicions about the future. But when we faith our fears, we share those fears with God and with those whom we trust. We bring them into the light. And that's what Jesus was getting at. The second thing I'd like to say this morning is that faith is really about sorting our fears. And, and, and sorting through those fears. Which of those fears are destructive? And which of those fears God can actually use to, to bring about something that's really productive and good? See, on the one hand, fear can paralyze us. And on the other hand, fear can empower us. On the one hand, fear can kill the soul. It can take the spirit out of us. And on the other hand, it can thrill the soul. And it can push us toward God. You know, there's something in us that really does... Um, it does in, enjoy the thrill of a fear. Now, some of us more than others. But how many of us love a roller coaster? Now, nobody who raised their hand love a roller coaster because it feels so safe to get on a roller coaster. You know, there's this element of fear that causes you, well, you know, if I'm going to have the courage to get on the roller coaster and I'm, this roller coaster may come off the tracks. I know it might. I know it doesn't happen very often. But it's going to happen right now. But there's something about, woo, woo, that, that feeds us. You know, you think about it, but was it the fear of darkness that caused the discovery of electricity? Was it the fear of pain that, that produced the great strides in medicine and healthcare? Was it the fear of ignorance that caused us to value education, to push forward? You know, there, there's a sense in which our fears can actually be motivations to something that is, that is better, that takes us to a, a better place. Now, I, I want to ask this question, not of you personally, but of a, a society in which we live. Would we dare take the fear of terrorism or the threat of war and allow these fears to get us to a greater place of world community? Isn't that what we long for? Who wants to live in the threat of war? Who wants to live in the, the, this, this nation against nation thing? It, it, it drives us to, to want a world community that's at a better place. And would we dare take the fear of people of other races? Or people who are different than we are? People who look different, who act different, who live different than we are, we do? And, and allow God to transform those into a deeper understanding of God's love? And would we dare take the fear of like a cyber invasion of our country and, and these threats on our own democracy and, and, and allow us to have rekindled in us more of a bipartisan understanding of patriotism and love of nation? Where we unify ourselves against that which would threaten our democracy? Do you see the importance of sorting through fear? That fear can actually take us to a place that is a better place. Maybe to the point that we might need to say, never waste a good fear. <laughs> Ask God what God wants to do with that fear. 
Because God does not want us to live in the darkness of that fear. God wants to bring it to a light. And the light that God may want to bring it to may be a, a light that you've never, ever anticipated being so bright. And we do know that fears can stretch our souls. You know, in Psalm 111, the 10th verse, it says, Fear the Lord. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All who follow God's precepts have good understanding. You know, over and over in the Old Testament in particular, we have this, this phrase, fear the Lord. Fear God. Now, now, what we need to understand is that fear is not to be afraid of God, but to have this holy reverence of God, this respect for God, because God is so, so awesome, so almighty, so all-powerful, so all-wonderful, that, that God demands that kind of awe and respect, because we don't know the ways of God. They're greater than our ways. You know, I think sometimes that we have tried to tame God so much that we have lost the understanding of what it means to, in a healthy way, gain this wisdom that the Word promises us through our fear of God. You know, sometimes I think we think God is some kind of big, holy Santa Claus. And if we're good boys and good girls, we can get just about anything we ask for. Or, or maybe... We have this understanding of, of, of God being, a, I don't know, being a, a higher power who desires to keep us comfortable and cozy and not really convert us and change us. Or that God's kind of like an imaginary friend, that our prayers are just kind of like talking to space. And, and we need to reclaim the power of God. Now, I don't know who said this. I wished I did. I wished I'd have said it. But someone else said it. They said, I seem to read about a different kind of God in the Bible than the one most people seem to experience today. God is both loving and absolutely wild. I love that. The biblical God is bone-chilling, earth-shattering, gut-wrenching, knee-knocking, heart-stopping, life-altering Lord. At whose coming, somebody needs to announce, fear not. And you know, we have that in the Bible. It's usually when angels are involved and, you know, the heavens open or something really, really special happens. And the angel has to first say, fear not. Don't be afraid. Don't run off. Because something really good is about to happen. Because of the God who loves you, who, who counts the hair on your head, who, who loves you a lot more than any kind of sparrow. And he knows when the sparrow falls to the ground. This is the God who's about to appear. And it's to that God that we need to surrender our fears. I'm going to call the band back up. You know, people who first heard that, um, that deal about the sparrows... They were the poor people. And that's the only thing they could afford to take to sacrifice. They couldn't even afford a dove. They surely couldn't afford a lamb. 
much less a calf to sacrifice to show their love for God. But, but they could buy a sparrow because a sparrow wasn't worth a thing. And, and when Jesus said, and God knows when a, when a single sparrow falls to the ground, and he surely knows you. You can surrender your fears to a God like that. I read this this last week in a, a journal called Weavings, and you're going to recognize why it means something to me. Robert Morris said, Here I was in bed when lightning struck my house, and suddenly it caught fire. And I found myself standing in the yard, barely dressed in a drenching rain, watching firemen race through the attic. His flames broke through the roof. And in my soul, there was a war between panic and peace. And on the one hand, I was wringing my hands, saying, My God, we're about to lose everything we have ever accumulated and accomplished in my life. And on the other hand, there was this assurance swirling in my soul saying if we lose all we have then we shall be as we are now in the hands of a loving God standing there soaked to the skin I felt naked and vulnerable in the dark yet calm and reassured that I was not alone One year ago today, my 80-plus-year-old parents' home was struck by lightning and burned to the ground. And we as their family have shuddered at the thought, probably more so than them, that what would have happened had they been home and not at our daughter's wedding. It could have been really tragic. And the thought of that just causes fear. You know, they, they weren't really afraid because the house burned while they were here in Dallas, but they were deeply saddened as all of us were. And they knew what Robert Morris was talking about. You know, everything we've accumulated, everything we've had, everything we've cherished, it's gone. But you know, as this year has transpired, I haven't seen a lot of fear But there's no way that they could have ever imagined the blessings. I haven't seen them afraid of whether or not there's enough insurance money to do what they needed to do to restore, rebuild the home. I haven't seen the fear of, you know, here we are in our 80s. Is this really the right thing to do to rebuild a home in our 80s? Now, I think their family has had those fears for them. But you know, in about a week, Zach designed their home. It's going to be ready for them to move in. And it's a beauty. And I think when they move in, what, what they're going to be overwhelmed by are the scriptures that we stand on when we find ourselves 
in a world that's turned upside down when lightning strikes and we weren't ready. Surely it is God who saves us. Let us trust in Him and not be afraid. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for Thou art with me. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. And there is no fear in love, because perfect love casts out what? And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death, or mourning, or crying, or pain, or fear. For the former things have passed away. Why should I feel discouraged? Why should the shadows come? Why should my heart be lonely and long for heaven and home when Jesus is my portion? My constant friend is he. His eye is on the sparrow. And I know he watches me. His eye is on the sparrow. I know he watches me. I sing because I'm happy. I sing because I'm free. For his eye is on the sparrow. I know he watches me. Lord, you know our hearts. We know we can't hide our fears from you. We know that, but we've become pretty good hiding them from others and hiding them from ourselves. Lord, help us to bring those fears into the light, into your light, to turn them over to you. realize that you will help us sort through them. You'll even transform those fears into something that can be a blessing when we surrender them to you. Lord, let everyone in this place leave this place knowing that you love them more than any, anything. That you have the hairs of their head counted. You know them by name. You who won't even let a sparrow fall to the ground without recognizing that's a creation of mine. 
how much more valuable or every one of us here than a little sparrow. We have so much, Lord, to be thankful for today. I sing because I'm happy. I sing because I'm is on the sparrow and I know he watches 